0: Hello listeners, this is the second podcast in our mini-series on diversity and inclusion, and this one focuses on the financial services sector. I'm Dave Palmer, an employment lawyer in Herbert Smith Freehill's London employment team. I have the wonderful task today of asking two subject matter experts their views on how financial services clients should address diversity and inclusion matters in their business. Those experts are Hal Jenkins, partner and head of our contentious financial services regulatory team in London, and regular podcast speaker Christine Young, who's an employment partner in London and whose practice is, has a heavy focus on financial services. So. First off, folks, shall we set the scene? Why are the regulators interested in diversity and inclusion?
1: Thanks, Dave. If I take that one, then I'll start off. Um, Look, there's a number of reasons why the regulators, and we're talking here about both the PRA and the FCA and actually the Bank of England, uh, are all interested in diversity and inclusion. Part of that is just because it is uh, a good thing in its own right. There's a lot of societal um, movement behind diversity inclusion for good reasons. But actually over the years, the regulators have developed their thinking on this, when moving beyond vague statements about it just being a generally good thing, and actually have built up quite a a articulate case about why it's good and why it meets uh, their own regulatory objectives. And in broad terms, that is because having a diverse workforce and particularly management uh, and and being able to have those people bring their own views and opinions uh, to bear actually has been shown through research, uh, through empirical observation, to improve the way in which financial services uh, companies are run. And that goes from both a conduct perspective but equally importantly, from a prudential perspective, that the firms which have greater diversity and representation are more safe and secure.
2: And so how one of the questions, I suppose, that we've been banding around is, is this idea of diversity of thought. And what does that mean and how is that measurable? Because obviously the proposals, which we're going to talk about in a bit more detail in a minute, focus particularly on protected characteristics.
1: Yeah.
2: I don't know what your thoughts are on that.
1: Well, it's a, it's a kind of a catch-all term, so it's probably worth pausing and looking at what some of the terms mean more generally. So diversity obviously means people coming from different backgrounds, and that might include protected characteristics. It might, it might be any number of uh, different characteristics and, and the intersectionality between those characteristics where they overlap. Mm-hmm. Inclusion is a really important part of that as well. Inclusion in regulatory terms, at least, means those people feeling comfortable and safe in bringing their whole selves and bringing their views and opinions uh, into the workplace. So it's no good having diversity on paper if actually people are not feeling safe and having that inclusivity for them to speak up uh, and participate. And then diversity of thought is is kind of a catch-all way of bringing all of it together to say, actually, it doesn't matter so much what your protected characteristics are. What your what your background is, it's it's having people think about things in different ways, and thereby trying to avoid groupthink, mm-hmm. thinking about things in a very narrow way, and missing risks, missing parts of your customer target market, missing uh, uh, prudential concerns that would otherwise have been thought about and dealt with. Now, I think it's a really it's a really interesting concept, though, because in some ways you could use diversity of thought as a way of justifying a non-diverse board from protected characteristics or background perspectives Mm. but you could say well everyone thinks very differently we have different views and opinions and of course we reach the right measured outcome as a result of that but it's much harder to actually measure Mm. diversity of thought as opposed to measuring another characteristic which can be defined and counted and a lot of what the regulators start points on their, on their discussion papers, actually starting with doing that measurement, getting information data out of firms and tracking where we are and then tracking when things are improving. And, and I think that will be inherently harder to do for diversity of thought. Yeah, that,
2: that I can see that as well. And that's no doubt why the protected characteristics and socioeconomic status have been selected as the things to be able to measure. Otherwise, it becomes an unmeasurable thing, diversity of thought. And as you say, it's it's about ability to challenge and ability to look at things from different perspectives. And being inclusive means you haven't enough of a voice and a voice that you can use to 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 be heard um, to counteract any
1: potential group groupthink. Yeah, exactly. And m- most of the studies and probably most of the focus to date has been on gender diversity. And one of the other things that regulators are keen to stress, and and it must be right, is that they 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 need to move on from that it, mm. you know we haven't got there yet probably on gender diversity either but that's not the only lens to look at this from and that, that's I think the positive aspects of diversity of thought it's thinking about all characteristics all backgrounds uh, and, and bringing the whole thing together
2: and I think that's a key aspect of the proposal so these is this is a discussion paper as you know we should emphasize it's not you know proposed rules it's sort of the start as to what they're looking at and so where we end up, it might be quite a different place, but the, the, the general kind of direction of travel is very much with the, the financial services regulators, where other regulators are going, which is diversity as in protected characteristics, diversity um, across the board and, and moving away just from gender or even just from race, looking yeah. at you know, LGBTQ, looking at um, maybe religion, disability, all the protected characteristics, age as well. Um, so just delving into, well, OK, what, what what are they actually saying in this discussion paper? You know, what are we um, what are they, they planning to look at? There's elements here of reporting. So data collection, yep. you know, what characteristics, diverse characteristics do you have and, and and what are your stats on that in order to compare and contrast with other firms? I think is where the regulator is going with that and monitor progress within firms yep. using targets um particularly to increase representation of minority groups, putting measures in place to make d- senior individuals accountable for DNI. So it becomes a key issue, and even linking that to remuneration, which is always an incentive, as well as looking at policy issues and training and audits. So it's quite a sort of an all all-encompassing approach, uh, not just sort of focusing on identification, but also on um, policies and implementation, which which will be interesting. And, and also how it's applied in practice, maybe a challenge if this is to apply to all financial services firms, regardless of their of their size. I think it been an interesting question as to how this is meant to work from a proportionality perspective.
1: Yeah. And look, some of this is back to basics and just checking that people, firms have these tools and these um, artefacts in place, you would expect everyone by now to have a diversity policy. But even relatively recently, we've had clients who maybe have had nothing or maybe have had something which is not necessarily fit for purpose, hasn't been refreshed for a while. So, whilst they are basics, um, it is probably worth bringing everyone up to that baseline. As you say, I think the the tricky thing will be moving beyond that and particularly how it's applied in practice to individual firms and individuals within those firms, as with everything to do with diversity and inclusion, it's, it's much harder in practice. You can come up with very good theories, but implementing them is, is, is where it can fall down.
2: And I think that's why they had the pilot last autumn, because they were looking to find out what data do firms already collect? Yep. So it's not so onerous, uh, it, you know, if that data is being the data that the regulator is going to request versus, well, actually, they want more. And you know, an example is maybe in, uh, firms have collected ethnicity data at a sort of higher level rather than, say, a breakdown equivalent to the census, yeah. which is where the regulators appear to be wanting to go. And obviously, the thing with, with data collection is you need to get the consent of the individuals to share their data if you don't have it or indeed update the data, because in certain respects, that might change over time for certain data. And how are you going to do that um, how much comfort can you give in employees as to how you're going to use the data? Because people could be quite concerned about disclosing all this information. And also, you know, what happens, you know, is the regulator going to have a view or take an adverse inference if you're not able to collect the data? You know, are they going to say, well, actually, you're not very you may not have an open, inclusive culture then if your staff are not uh, willing to share that information. It may even skew the results. Who knows. Yeah,
1: I, I think that's right. Although, as with many things, it's a certain amount of chicken and egg. If the regulator asks for certain metrics, certain bits of data, then uh, firms can ask for it in a more robust way mm-hmm. and will have an override to data protection issues potentially as well. If it's all kind of left to, well, what can you collect? But we're going to look badly upon you if you can't get everything. Then... Uh, You know, there are valid reasons sometimes where why people might not be able to collect it or or why people might not be willing to share it.
2: No, absolutely, and 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 that may well be played out if you if you have an issue, you may need to explain why you can't why you had a low you know take up rate. Yeah. The other thing is tone from the top, so they're very clear that they're expecting you know uh, diversity targets at the top to show a diverse population at board level. And indeed, you know, one consideration is uh, applying similar requirements as the NASDAQ. So publicly disclosing uh, diversity data for the board and requiring the sort of a compliant or explain model of having two diverse directors. One must be female and one from an underrepresented group. And, you know, that's certainly being considered. Who knows where we'll end up? But um, that's one potential way they're looking at considering diversity.
1: Yeah, and that follows the regulators' playbook in dealing with anything to do with culture. Start with tone from the top. Make sure that you're uh, sort of role modelling good behaviour and championing the cause from the top. Actually, though, with with culture and with many other uh, measures over the years, the regulators have realised that tone from the top only gets you so far. You've got to move your way down organisations. So you've got the... The so-called mood in the middle and the the permafrost of mid that needs to be pulled on.
2: <laughs> yes, yes, understood. And also they're linking it so you've got the tone from the top and then link it to remuneration and and DNI metrics um, to in, 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 encourage strongly encourage um, you know, actual implementation of a DNI strategy, which again will be interesting to see how that plays out in practice. The other. The other side of it is uh, the policies and the practices as you said you know, many organizations already have a DNI policy but they'll be one of the proposals is to put it on the website and also um, have clarity or consistency in terms of def- defined terms used, use like senior management so that that you can very quickly compare across organizations in a in a transparent way and yeah. then setting targets off the back of all of that and I think one of the key themes seems to be this sort of transparency and publicity of information as well as implementation and ensuring that there's there's actually change.
1: Yeah and it's another uh, example there of the FCA's competition remit being played out in policy because you would have thought that both from a customer perspective but also in this instance from a recruitment perspective Mm -hmm. having that information publicly available will allow people to access it and make their decisions accordingly, if it's something they're interested in, which is increasingly the case.
2: And from a purely employment lawyer's hat on, as as I would, um, you know that once you have that data, that data could well be used for other purposes, like um, in the context of employment tribunal claims and discrimination claims. So uh, it, it may well end up being used for for other purposes in the end. And you know, the there's a the suggestion that firms will have to undertake e- and some kind of DNI audit as well. So there may be additional Obligations arising from all of that. Um, one of the things I thought that was particularly interesting in the paper, which I know we've we've talked about with other clients, is around the um, approval of senior managers and the idea at the moment that the diversity data of that particular candidate is given to the regulator, and the regulator may withhold approval of that senior manager where their appointment would worsen or not address risk arising from a lack of diversity or groupthink within the nominating firm. And again, with my employment law hat on, that seems to me to be quite a risky thing to do from a discrimination perspective, because essentially what you could have is a white, middle-aged, heterosexual man who doesn't get the role because he is white, middle-aged, heterosexual man and not sufficiently diverse in inverted commas. And then that poses problems for both the regulator who's who's withdrawn the approval or if the regulator doesn't quite do it that way and just sort of raises concerns such that the firm has to withdraw the candidate. And then the firm has to withdraw the offer of employment and often offers of employment are made conditional upon approval and potentially opens them up to discrimination claim, which seems to be completely the opposite of what the proposals are intended to, to achieve.
1: Yeah, and and again, I think this is why why it's worth remembering. This is a discussion paper at this stage mm-hmm. because that certainly is one of the more controversial things that is up for discussion and on the table. I think I think it's another good example, actually, of, of how a policy which might seem sensible in the abstract is actually very hard when it comes to applying it to a real individual and saying mm-hmm. you can't you can't have this job. We think you're the best person. But because you're too similar to people that we currently have, you are not able to work here or perform that role. I I think that is quite difficult. But it certainly is one of the things that's got people talking about it. Yes. It will achieve its own perspective.
2: Very true. So I suppose just closing out what what we think firms need to do now. uh, Certainly, we've had quite a few discussions now with firms who... All of the clients we are speaking to are at least looking at this and considering this and looking at what data they collect and what they might need to change and and think about but what else would you say Hal?
1: Um, well I, I think if nothing else firms all need to be thinking about diversity and inclusion, thinking about these measures, how they might comply with them if they were to come in, suggesting changes to them and being prepared for questions from the regulator So Nick Rati came up with a a sixth conduct question for firms. And it's effectively, is your management team diverse enough to provide adequate challenge and do you create the right environment in which people of all backgrounds can speak up? So that encapsulates everything we've just been talking about quite neatly, providing challenge, having that diversity of thought. But but the key is the senior managers, boards are going to be asked about this and they will have to have an answer for it. Part of the uh, approvals interview process will involve a question on DNI. You can almost guarantee it, mm-hmm. and if you haven't thought about it, if you if you haven't got a plan, then that's that's what's going to cause you to come unstuck mm-hmm. on your approvals as much as protected characteristics. If that does come into play, so it's I think for the time being, it's really it's thinking about it, thinking about what can be done, what is already being done, and and how uh, firms can rise to the the, the challenges of this agenda.
2: Absolutely agreed. And with recruitment, making sure that you are ensuring a diverse talent pool to be considered in the first place, which may play well when you're, if you have, are asked in the future by the regulator as to how you came to choose a particular candidate.
1: Exactly right. And going back to where we started, taking comfort in the fact that the studies do show that that will help drive performance. So this is not just diversity for its own sake. It, there are Um, there are regulatory reasons but there are good commercial reasons to be thinking about getting
0: this right. Thanks both. I always learn something when I listen to you both speak especially about this topic so thank you both very much. To the listeners thanks so much for tuning in. We've got more podcasts on the way in 2022. We're really enjoying sharing our thoughts with you via these podcasts so please do reach out to your usual HSF contact to share with us any thoughts or contact us via our website or social media channels. Have a good one.